0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am once again joined by my partner, Carlos Adago, who's our chief strategy officer. And if you're tuning into these episodes, you know that on this mini-series, we like to talk about the D3 methodology, and today we are going to focus on probably what is the most important topic in marketing at the end of the day, and that is analytics, or as I like to say, keeping score of your success. Carlos, thanks for, thanks for joining me. As we're recording it, we're heading into the long Independence Day, 4th of July weekend. Where are you for the holiday weekend?
1: You know, I am traveling across the country doing a road trip with my wife, so I am currently calling from Cedar Rapids, Iowa.
0: Nice. Well, let me ask you a question, Carlos, and I think you know the answer, because you're a smart guy. Here's a question, Carlos. Why does sales make the big bucks?
1: Because sales are able to consistently demonstrate how they generate revenue, and the reason and, and I would say it's the salespeople that can demonstrate that and are consistently doing it. They're the ones that make the big bucks. Salespeople who don't do it are out looking for jobs.
0: It's, it's, so, it's so simple of an answer, so clear. And yet, the reason I, I want to start there is, I think all of us who work, work for a couple reasons. One is, we certainly want to get energy and enjoy what we do and feel a sense of accomplishment, no doubt but we also want to get a paycheck unless we're intentionally volunteering for something. And that paycheck is directly related to the contribution that we make to the company, right? I mean, CEOs typically are the highest earners inside of a company, unless you're Elon Musk, right? Who works, I think for a dollar, but you know, the, the C suite makes big bucks and the VPs and then the directors and the staff. And if you were picking a career, just coming out of college these days, you have a lot of different choices out there. And traditionally, salespeople, especially in technology, make a very, very good living. But why don't marketers out earn sales leadership and salespeople for the most part? And maybe one day they will. I certainly hope that to be the case because as we go through digital transformation, marketing is taking every year a greater role in driving revenue and driving demand. But in B2B, it's, it's a challenge. In fact, it's not just a challenge. Uh, when I put uh, the book Manufacturing Demand together, when I wrote it, published it in 2012, I looked at some studies and research that was out and I found one by the CMO Council Carlos. And it was this, that more than half of the CMOs that were interviewed in that study said that more than half said that their greatest challenge is quantifying and measuring the value of marketing programs that they execute. And that was a study from 2008. And you and I were talking recently, it just came out by DemandGen report. That's Demand Space Gen Report. Um, (laughs) Friends of ours, uh, guys guys at another company. And what was the report that came out that you were telling me about?
1: Yeah, the report asked marketers to rate their company's current ability to measure and analyze marketing performance and impact. 40% said they needed improvement. 33% said they were average and then 14% said poor and adequate. So what that leaves is only 13% of companies say they're doing an excellent job measuring and analyzing the the impact they're making to the organization. And so you think about that. From a CEO perspective, if if my marketers are telling me, hey, I can only give you average reporting, And I remember when I was at McAfee, my CEO that I reported into for my division was really, really, he was just one of these guys that told it like it is. He said, either you're going to tell me how much money you're returning back to the organization for the investment we're making in marketing or your replacement will. And he walked out. Yeah. It was a pretty simple meeting.
0: Based on the stat you just said, if you took a hundred people and put them in a room, only 13 of them, 13 out of the 100, feel that they're doing an excellent job with this. That means 87 people's jobs are at risk. Their budgets are at risk. Their, their performance is in question. 13 right. out of 100. Right. Yeah. Right. What would you do if you had a sales team of 100 people and only 13 of them were even able to tell you whether they're achieving quota or not? That's, that's just saying whether they what they know their performance is. That's not even saying that their performance is good or bad. It's just the ability to do that, right? It's just, it's unacceptable. And we in marketing need to do a better job. And um, that's what I want to talk about today and dive in and give you guys a a prescription basically on, on what to report uh, on. I'm going to Carlos, make sure that in this episode, I do a link to the copy of the book, because I think if you want to revisit these topics, in a more visual form, download the book, the, the ebook, it, you know, it's the books are like 130 pages, but the PDF version of it, you can download. You don't have to go to Amazon and buy a hardcover if you want to do it. Heck, if you really want a hardcover, just send Carlos and I a note because we have a closet full of them. We got lots of books. We're on the New York Times best Giver list. But if you want to just grab it right now and dive into chapter seven, because it's going to re- reinforce a lot of the things that we're saying today is you got to start with the end in mind. And I start the chapter with a little cartoon, which has this CMO standing in the front of the room, and it's like he's showing a PowerPoint. And he's saying the campaign had a 2% CTR and created 10 MQLs. And then the cartoon, you know, the CEO is labeled, and he says, he's turning to the CRO, says, is that a BFD? And she is saying, OMG, and and the CIO is playing Angry Birds on his iPad. It's it's kind of funny, but it's also it's not because it's very reflective of a lot of marketing meetings that you sit in uh, and you hear about really tactical metrics. So we need to start off with talking about what to measure and what to report on from an executive perspective, and we're just going to dumb it down to the essential things that you need to report on. And you know, if you want to get the respect that you deserve in marketing, if you want to have almost unlimited budget. I mean, everything's, there's a limit. But case in point, we started marketing some of our services as we do uh, through different channels. And our head of marketing, Tiffany, came to me and said, hey, I want to show you what's working, what's not. And showed me the reports exactly of the account-based marketing programs that are running, the display ads that we're doing, which ones are pulling, and what kind of revenue it generated. And so as a CEO, and she's saying this to me, she came to the next question and says, so what do you want to do? I think we should make more investment here on these programs and we should start running ad campaigns for these programs there. Like one of the, one of the programs Carlos, that we're running is for our Marketo admin services, right? People are shorthanded right now or no handed right now and they need people. So we started running campaigns for that and got immediate traction for it. So because she can tie it directly to revenue and pipeline, sourced, influenced, what have you, either one. It's no question for me as a CEO to go reinvest in that because it's working. And if those answers weren't there, then you know marketing is a cost center, right? They, you just don't know what marketing is doing.
1: Yeah, I, I want to jump in there because you used two really important words. That I, I want the listeners to understand. When Tiffany was able to come and show you the revenue she's driving, the impact of the organization, how she's driving growth, you're using the word investment. As a CEO, you're going to invest in the things that help a company grow and help add more revenue, all day long. As opposed to, as opposed to the eighty-seven percent who are either average or worse, then you become a cost. And when things get tough and when things get hard, what gets caught? Co- what gets cut? Costs. And I hear that we talk. You and I both talk to so many marketers who say, "My budget got cut, or we're cost cutting, and we're not going to be able to do these things." Think about. When you're in that moment, what would change if you could actually show and say, no, 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 guys, let's double down on the investment because we're the ones driving revenue. So I think it's really important to highlight, if you're going to talk about marketing as an investment, you have to be able to show the impact that you're making. And to your point, it starts with knowing where you're going first and foremost. What, what are you going to count? What are you going to measure?
0: Absolutely. And we're, we're going we're to get a little more macro but I'm going to give you something micro right now. Um, For those of you that are listening in and you're sitting by a computer or just write this down, go to YouTube and on YouTube search for demand gen TV and an episode that Sabrina and I just put up shows how to create opportunities in Salesforce and every marketer on the planet that has Salesforce needs to watch this video because we made it for you guys so that you see how dependent marketing is on sales adding a contact to an opportunity if that does not happen game over there's no attribution and we show in the video exactly what has to be done now some of you are saying but dave there's technology that addresses that yes there is there's absolutely additional technology you can spend Beyond Salesforce and your marketing automation system to address this problem, but at the root of it, out-of-the-box solutions. Go watch that video, and you will see the way that opportunities should be created so that attribution um, happens. And we talk about that. Go check it out if you haven't tuned into Demand Gen TV. Uh, now might be that first video for you to go watch. Back to our podcast. Let's talk about gap. You know what GAP stands for, Carlos? I think you do. Not not the store. Accepted
1: accounting principles. Yes, I don't I don't shop there, but generally uh, accepted accounting principles.
0: Yeah, you you and I. A A P. G A A P. Two A's in the middle of that. So GAP. I don't know about you guys in marketing. There was no gap for marketing. There never has been. There was no generally accepted. Financial principles for marketing, right? We graduated from marketing school. My daughter just graduated from school with a marketing degree, and I asked her about our courses. And let me tell you, there was no gap training for marketing. There was no, this is what you report on. These are financial standards. Financials, you know, people in finance, they know that they need to report on accounts receivable, show their PL, do EBITDA, cash balances, inventory levels, all those different things. But we in marketing were never given the exact playbook, and there's tons of books out there. On marketing, but hey, you found a gen radio. So we're going to talk to you about what to measure. Before that, though, this is something in the book, I talk about the three C's when it comes to analytics. But as Carlos and I have talked over the years, we found five. We found two more C's that you need to think about. So let's go through. And Carlos, do you want to do C number one?
1: I think it's uh, we're talking about how are you calculating? Yeah, how, how are do you-, you gonna do, when, when you start a campaign and and, and the number of people that and, and groups that we've talked to over the years, both you and I, Dave, where you say, so what are you gonna get out of this campaign? What are you hoping to get? What are you, what are you gonna measure? And it's that deer in the headlights look of oh, um and I remember I told you before we we started recording being at BMC Software. Yeah, and we were we were having a a. I forget the exact name of the meeting, but it was a two-day summit where we were talking about analytics and we were talking about measurements. And and Bob Beecham, who was our CEO at the time, walked in, kind of saw everybody around these tables and everything you would imagine like a war room would be with post-its on the wall and whiteboards. And he said, uh, so you guys are talking about marketing analytics. And somebody said, yeah, yeah, we are, Bob. And he said, well, um, here's, here's the measurement I want. He said, we just spent a quarter of a million dollars at a trade show. By the end of the week, I want to know what we got for it. They walked out. And you want to talk about panic, <laughs> hitting a room. <clears throat> and the events team, I remember that really clearly the events team was like, well, we didn't set up to measure ROI. <laughs> we were looking, just, at But the booth's going to, go to look great. Yeah, right, the, the booth looks good. <laughs> and they were panicked because nobody knew And Bob, rightly so, as CEO, is saying we spent a quarter of a million dollars. Nobody knew what they were going to report on before they made that investment, before they showed up to the show. But I'm sure the booth looked great, and the keynote we got was spectacular. Yeah. So you got to know how you're going to calculate and what you're going to count before you start your campaign.
0: The first C, calculate. What you're going to calculate. I remember a meeting. I was a young vice president of marketing may have been director of marketing back then but i walk into this meeting and we bought web trends remember web trends i think it's still around i do it was our web analytics platform is the 1990s and i had this really cool tool called web trends and we launched our website because you know in 1992 nobody had a website but before long everybody had a website well not everybody but we had a website and we were pioneers And I remember walking into the meeting and I would bring a stack of web stats, which included number of visitors to the website, which was a number. I didn't even show a chart. It had the bounce rate. It had the number of page views. And it had like the number of minutes. And I had all these other metrics in this whole sheet. And I was so freaking proud of myself, Carlos, as a young head of marketing, that I had all these great analytics. And I basically got humbled so hard by the CEO after I'd been bringing this to the meeting for, I don't know how long, like weeks, every week. He goes, Hey Dave, why do you include this report at the executive meeting? And I said, um, I don't fully understand the question Alan. why, why do I include the web analytics report? Cause yeah, you print this off, you run all these numbers and you give it to all of us. Why do you do that? And I said, so you guys can see the uh, success and momentum of the website. And he goes, well, we don't see that. We just see a bunch of numbers. And I was like, whoa, Uh, great learning. That's a wake-up call. Yeah, great learning experience. And we furthered the discussion. I said, you know what? Good feedback. I'll meet with you afterwards and talk about what we want to present. Because what I want to share with you guys is... The volume of traffic coming to the website because the more visitors we have to the website and the more that they engage with the website, then the more likelihood that we are going to generate more leads and generate more e-commerce. And he goes, well, I'd like to see how much e-commerce the website has generated. That's not in your report. Okay. Good to know right there. Revenue. So I changed those reports quite a bit and dumbed them down. I went from having like a whole you know, pages of analytics to what you might experience like in a car, just a few dashboards and dials and charts that explain that. But I also learned right then the second C of our five C's, which is how you communicate it. So I was communicating in a way that was useless to the executive team. They were not getting any insights, even though I thought this this these numbers going up were so insightful that that numbers without charts and graphs are just numbers. The brain doesn't associate those numbers. I mean, when the newsman says, or news person says, it's gonna be 80 degrees, we all know what 80 degrees feels like, cause that's a number to us, but they still use iconography and show like the sun next to it, they don't, they don't you know, so, so pictures work. Um, third C, dish out another C. We covered calculations and we covered communication. What, what's another C when it comes to analytics?
1: I think we're, we need to cover the calculation. How are you calculating what you're putting out there? Because what's interesting is when I've heard from marketers, I go to my meeting, I show my measurements, and sales tells me they're wrong. Or my finance department tells me, well, we didn't calculate that the right way. So understanding how are you calculating your numbers? You, 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 and, and this is the part, and I know we're kind of moving into we're talking about analytics today, but we talked about this a little bit when... We talked about demand management if you want to integrate with sales sit down and make sure you're calculating your numbers the right way make sure that you're doing the analysis and i've i've even talked to marketers who say we don't have somebody on staff who can do that start to forge an alliance with your finance department these guys wow. are experts at it this nice is what turn. they do so understand how you're calculating so that you can communicate it effectively you know if you had gone off Dave, based on the, the guidance you were given on your communication to uh, to go do your own thing, and you threw out numbers that were so out there you would have had sales and mar- and, and and executives on how did you calculate these numbers mm-hmm. and I've been in those meetings before they're very, they're extremely awkward, so how we calculate our uh, analysis is extremely extremely important.
0: I did a podcast that I just recently put up. Uh, Let me get it really quick so everybody knows. It's with Bruce Eidzik from Genesis. It's episode number 172, How to Build a Successful ABM Program. And in the show notes of that podcast, Bruce was nice enough to share his PowerPoint deck that he used to communicate the success of their ABM program. And Carlos, maybe it's should have been the first slide, but the very last slide, uh, you haven't seen it. I don't think how many metrics are on that very last slide. Just yes. And the answer is it's a very well done slide. Like it does a very effective job of communicating Bruce's results. So how many numbers are shared?
1: I would say I would guess three.
0: You're darn close Four, and, but to your point, Really, only three numbers are are shared. The fourth is a 2x. So, in his entire program summary of the effectiveness of this program, Bruce shows marketing results 29% increase in marketing sourced pipeline. Metrics number two 45% increase in marketing sourced bookings. Metric number three 25% increase improvement in deal velocity. And the fourth, if it's a fourth, is pipeline conversion rate went up 2x. That's it. That's his mic drop yes. slide at the end, and that's it. Now, what could be added to that? Could be a revenue number. Could be dollars. You know, if you're Genesis and you're doing billions of dollars, is that going to be a big number? Small number there. But if you're going to do it right, maybe you show this is what we spent, and this is what we generated, and this is what is our ROI. Doesn't take a lot, and that's the point that less is more. Let's continue. So we, I, I'm not. I lost track of our, all of our C's. So let me make sure we did. What can you count?
1: I think I think okay. we've got two more.
0: I think so too. What can okay. you count, and how you calculate it, and how you communicate it? What you can count on, what what you can count on, meaning trust on. I just talked about the challenges of campaign attribution. If you don't have data integrity. And you're missing information. You're not capturing your UTM codes and your channels and your sources. Then you're robbing yourself of your performance. It's again, one of the reasons that sales get such a pass in terms of the ease of what they do. And I'm not saying that job of sales is hard. It ain't. It's very, it's very hard. But what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. if you have a sales rep and they have a bookings target, when they close a deal, that deal amount is associated against their target it's very easy math did you close a deal how much was it worth what's your booking target where are you as a percent of your goal when marketing does their programs let's go back to the ad campaign that we're running i think on linkedin and google that campaign has someone who clicks on it and and there was money spent on it that campaign has someone who clicks on it they fill out a form that form needs what channel source maybe even which ad that data needs to go through the form into the marketing automation system into the crm system and all the way to the opportunity everybody knows this stuff but we don't sometimes take the time to fix all the stitching all the data chains that are needed to do it so you can't count on it and you got to make sure that you count on it as much time and effort as you put into launching your programs make sure when you test that you're going to get the attribution at least all the way to the marketing automation system and then work with sales ops to make sure that you take it all the way through to your CRM and, and your pipeline because it's it's essential and try to get rid of the cultures where sales and marketing are, are fighting for sourcing like no that's mine it's yours it is how dare you you know like let's work together um, we do want to have tracking but most sales organizations in B2B don't source business. I don't see that a lot, Carlos. You, maybe you do with, with our no, clients differently, I, I but don't. I just don't. I mean, it's, marketing drives most of the top of the funnel these days.
1: Well, and I also think from a sales perspective, the other thing that needs to change if we're going to compare ourselves to sales is marketers need to embrace this idea that we are responsible for revenue. And I'm, I'm still just amazed at the number of marketers who use the phrase, well, sales is so coin-operated. I heard that from an employee once and I said, "Oh, okay, so you'll just come in tomorrow and start to volunteer instead of getting paid." And they looked at me like I was crazy and I said, "Well, I, if you're not coin operated, why are you here? You don't need a paycheck." And and you know, when sales is saying, "What can I count on?" Sales has this mindset of we are coin operated. Marketers, we need to be coin operated. This is what mm-hmm. our CEOs are wanting from us. And that's why sales knows exactly what their forecast is, what they're contributing to the organization. If you have a sales leader who can't properly force forecast, they're not going to last long. And so we, have to re- we can learn a lot from our sales counterparts when it comes to, to measurement and analytics and what we can count on. Yeah. And part of it is just changing our mindset to say, yes, we're marketing, but we're coin-operated too.
0: Mm-hmm. It is definitely a, a cultural mindset. And it is investment. Not everything you do in marketing is going to work, right? There's that old adage, like uh, 50% of my marketing is working. I just don't know which 50% it is. Um, All right. And the last C as we get back to our list, our five C's is what counts, like what matters. And that's where we want to spend the next few minutes and wrap this episode because this is the prescriptive part of it. So I think we covered in no particular order what you can count. So like what you can count, which in marketing today, you can actually measure way too much than you ever need to. So there's, there's just the things that you need to count. There's what counts, what matters, which we're going to get into. There's what you can count on, which means that there's integrity in it. It's going to happen consistently. There is how you calculate it. And then there's how you communicate it, which is, which is actually... Pretty darn important. Pretty darn important if you remember my lesson from my CEO whiplashing, um, which which didn't which which I missed on a few of those. Great lesson early in my career. Uh, let's start with executive KPIs. We're gonna break things into just two buckets today. If we did the third bucket, the third bucket would be the real tactical metrics, like click-through rates, like open rates. You do need to track some of that stuff. But we don't need to talk about that today because I don't even want to confuse that that stuff is important at an executive level. It only matters within marketing and you don't want to talk about you know open rates or click through rates and really tactical metrics like that ever with the executive team because they don't know if it's good or bad, and most of the time they sound pretty darn bad. What matters is revenue so in the executive kPI, let's start off with revenue that is at the end of the day, if you're gonna report on one thing, how much revenue did marketing either source or influence? Both metrics matter. How much, marketing reven- how much revenue is sourced by marketing or how much revenue is influenced? Can you give an example of the difference between a source and an influence in terms of marketing's role, please?
1: Yeah, the way I explain it is, a, a source is, this is a company or a lead that we never had interaction with. They weren't in our database. They came across our ad. They dropped by our booth. Whatever, whatever marketing brought them in, whether it was inbound or outbound, they took an interest. They gave us their name. We qualified them. We sent them to the sales. Marketing was the first interaction they had with our company. So we sourced that deal. Influence would be if I do a field event. or or a salesperson is out doing, even better example, salesperson is out doing social uh, selling, is on LinkedIn using Sales Navigator the right way. They now connect with a prospect. That salesperson enters Carlos Hidalgo into my CRM system and starts to work that deal. And now I go to your website, I consume some of the marketing content. I show up at a field event that marketing is sponsoring. Marketing has now influenced that buyer or that customer to purchase my product and to make a deal with me, even though it was sourced by a salesperson who was using his LinkedIn sales navigator to go out and, get, and grab some of his deals. So, and, and I agree with you. I think we got to get out of this. Well, this is my deal. This is marketing's deal. This is sales deal. It's the company's deal. Uh-huh. And marketing can play a vital role in the influence or the sourcing. You just got to be able to demonstrate. Where you're strongest,
0: absolutely. Uh, marketing sourced and marketing influenced, and good good examples. If you're doing executive dinners, when when you can do executive dinners again or events, and you're inviting those executives to those, and deals are being closed, one, you want to know if that dinner was worth the time and effort and expense. And so, if they if people who were in pipeline attended them then you influenced it. Now, if sales well, was my dinner, I put the agenda together. No, if marketing hosted the event or had any responsibility in it, you want to end the war because you need that budget again. This, the reason for not fighting on who did what is you need the dollars again to to invest in those areas. The salespeople are performing. You want to know who they are so you can keep them on the team and and get more people like that and the marketing programs that are actually sourcing or influencing, you need to know that those are working so you can reinvest in those again and and stop investing in the stuff that, that doesn't work. You know you know the trade shows, right? It comes up, hey, are we going to do the such and such trade show this year? I don't know. I don't think so. Last year the turnout wasn't really great. Oh, it's so bad though if we don't go. It's going to look so bad if we're not there. Who cares? There's
1: what will be said about us, right?
0: Yeah, what will be said? Who cares? If there is not business coming directly from the trade show and what you do at the show. Maybe you don't need a booth, but you need to have a reception or do some client dinners or some prospect dinners or whatever. Yeah, maybe have a presence, but measure everything. I did a workshop, uh, Carlos, Mm -hmm. at B2BMX, as you know. I taught a master class. Uh, It was like four hours of my time. If I'm going to do that again, and I'm talking to Sal and the guys next week, if I'm going to do that at their next show, I got to know if that made either contribution, either And because I feel good about teaching people if that's the goal, but if it's actually the source business, then we have to know that the people who attended that event, did they go into our CRM and get attribution to do it. All right, marketing, uh, sourcing and marketing influence on revenue. Um, A lot of people do track marketing sourced leads, uh, which it is good to know that if you are running campaigns that they are bringing in net new leads to your database, whatever you want to call that word. Uh, and we do that. Sabrina, our marketing ops person, every time we run a campaign, she has a special field in the CRM that it has a checkbox or not if that record, that campaign member was a net new record to the database. And she runs all these different queries so she can show what is actually contributing new leads to our database because that is valuable. There is value from that. And so if she's, you know, syndicating content or something like that, and it's coming in, doesn't mean it necessarily sourced revenue or influenced revenue. That's another measurement. But if you want to look at where your database is growing from, that is something to track. Just, I'm just, be careful there because if that's the only thing you measure is lead generation and marketing, you're not taking it far enough.
1: It's interesting you say that, Dave, because Mm -hmm. according to the Manjian report, what's the number one metric that marketing organizations focus on is mql 59 percent say you know the 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 one they focus on the most is mql which isn't bad but to your point that doesn't mean anything to a ceo and it shouldn't mean anything to us if i can't track what that mql is sourced or influenced or otherwise back to revenue then i'm just stuck at kind of what i what i would say it bottom on its own as a vanity metric
0: Totally. And I, and it's, that was the level up or two levels up from my website visitor metric. When Alan was like, Dave, why do we care how many people visit the website? Like I was mm-hmm. celebrating that. Well, cause back then I didn't, you know, this is the 1990s. I didn't have the tools that I have now to really track revenue and attribution. Ads. So I just, I was so happy to get visitors to a website. Right. Uh, just, yeah. like if, just like when we, are, we we haven't officially launched the YouTube channel. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but July 21st is launch date. So we're going to look at views, right? How many views of the different episodes? How many subscribers to the channel? Th- those little early metrics that actually show us, you know, is this on? Is it working? And that's important for marketing tactically to do that. But it's not gonna not going to answer the question of all the money that we're spending on the thumbnails, the graphics, the production, the time is this YouTube channel achieving whatever the goal is for it? If it's driving revenue, is it, is it doing that? Is it, is it uh, maybe the goals are just to actually create viewership or measure learning in some way. But I digress. MQLs is just a little further. It's just visitors visitors became leads and an MQL is a more qualified lead. Don't stop there. That's a great path that you're on. To track the number of marketing qualified leads that marketing is generating, because that's on the path to revenue. But you got to take it further and track those MQLs into opportunities for attribution and, and influence. While we're on the topic of MQLs, that perfectly leads us to the second category of what we call the demand funnel KPIs. Many of you are familiar with the serious decisions demand waterfall. So we're about a decade old. And We don't call it the demand waterfall here at Demand Gen. We call it the demand funnel. And it is important for you to measure the inventory of your funnel. It is important for you to measure the number of inquiries you have and the number of MQLs that you have, as well as probably measuring the number of sales accepted leads and sales qualified leads, because that is very analogous to sales managing their pipeline. We have, I believe, in our CRM seven stages Within the salesforce opportunity object, very common, sometimes eight, sometimes six, it varies. Stage one is you know maybe you're doing discovery, and then the last stage is probably closed one in most cases. Some people do have stages beyond closed one in terms of onboarding and or growth, but closed one. then you got everything in between. so sales has always been very good at well, most advanced sales organizations are good at measuring their pipeline and not just you know, how much is in pipeline, but what stage it's at because they know conversion rates. So market needs to do the same thing and be tracking those funnel stages. And in the book, page 122, um, I list out the specific metrics that you should probably be measuring. I do go a bit further and suggest that you should measure asset performance, asset being your content, so, Carlos, like we've got this Uber Flip Hub, right? We've got this, this hub on demandgen.com on the resources tab, and there are hundreds of articles, ebooks, posts, everything like that. Marketing every month, every single month that DemandGen publishes, Justin, shout out to you who's editing this podcast. Thank you, man, for doing it. Every month he publishes a PowerPoint for all of us in sales and marketing to show us what content is being consumed and what are like our greatest hits. It's incredibly valuable for a content strategy to know what people are consuming. Now that in and of itself you don't want to stop there because that just means hey as like a public library what books people are checking out right analogous to that, but it's but it's important to know what content people are consuming so you can create more of it. Now if you can tie those assets, that content to revenue and pipeline and other things, well boy then then you're really starting to get to the place where you can get to that almost like I said unlimited budget because if you can show the contribution to revenue you're going to get money for building more assets for running more campaigns for doing more trade shows for doing more dinners for everything that works and ideally for you as you're halfway through the year now planning your budget for next year don't do the things that don't work and make life easier on yourself because if things don't work then don't do them and then that's, well, potentially less work for you. You're probably doing more work on the other side. So I guess, Carlos, the question I'll ask for you is as we get to wrapping these thoughts on analytics, there is a, there is a dependency, as you know, to making all this happens. And I'm wondering if we want to talk about that a little bit. It's a four-letter word.
1: Yeah, I think that four-letter word is data. Yeah. and i think i think it's and i've said many times i think it's arguably the most valuable asset that a marketer has yet so many organizations and i would say the overwhelming majority of organizations don't do enough to invest in making that a valuable asset they they for whatever reason and and you know maybe it's not as sexy as content but with bad data and when you look at the report that we've referenced from demand gen 36% say data is their biggest obstacle and literally say it's a mess 36% so one in every three organizations is saying our data is a mess and therefore it's keeping us from doing analytics and measurement improving our values to ceos so we've got a problem
0: yeah that's a whole episode in and of itself we're going to get to that because because data is part of the D three methodology. And, uh, by the way, for those of you that have again, reached out to Carlos and I kudos to you guys, for those of you that haven't, or maybe you're just tuning in, the D three methodology is, is our holistic model for digital transformation. Uh, if you look in the show notes, there are links to the materials and there are four foundational areas for the D three methodology. One is analytics that we talked about today and the other one is data, which we won't dive into today, but it, they are salt and pepper. They, they work hand in hand. You cannot do analytics if you don't have the expertise and the passion for data. And by the way, if you don't have the expertise, get it from an agency like ours or hire someone onto the team. In fact, a lot of the kids coming out of school these days, they've grown up with analytics. And they've grown up with technology and they're really into it. Find someone who's, you know, got that skill, who loves pouring through data and finding insights and making insights out of it. Find someone who's totally OCD and is going to clean the heck out of your database and make everything pristine. And again, if you don't have those resources, come to folks like us to do it for you. Because if your data is really pristine and well-kept, then your analytics are going to be either accurate or far more accurate. I would say accurate and and it's an enabler it's an enabler to ana- analytics and it's really really essential and we'll talk about it on a, another podcast carlos we are halfway through the year it's july now and you and i've covered a lot on the d3 methodology in several episodes uh you've also talked to i want to say countless but it's not countless but a lot of clients and a lot of clients to be on the d3 methodology what's What's a piece of advice you have for people tuning in on where they should start in digesting the D3 methodology and then applying it to their focus for the second half of the year?
1: Yeah, I would say a great place to start is, you know, reach out to myself, reach out to Dave and say, hey, can you guys take 45 minutes and walk us through it so we know how to use it? Because Dave, as you have said, we built this thing to be a tool for marketers. And you know, unless you're with with almost any kind of tool or or technology or solution, you want to know how to use it. So take advantage of the time that we've offered. And and that's been honestly the the richest conversations I've had have been those companies or those executives who said, Hey, we heard this on the podcast. Can can you just give us some time to walk us through so we know how to use this effectively? And I would say that's a great great start. You're not, I, can, I can promise you you're not going to get a sales pitch, but we're just going to walk you through it, tell you what each area means, and then tell you how to use it to, to evangelize within your own organization, to teach, and then also to show the complexity that is required to create a revenue engine that you can measure and uh, grow, help grow your organization. I think it's a great place to start.
0: It is a great place to start, and I wanna I wanna be completely transparent because it kind of came up a couple times. You just said it. We are not trying to sell you this methodology. Like I mentioned, Serious Decisions earlier, you had to s- subscribe to Serious Decisions to be able to get their resources and tools. We are not taking that approach. Carlos and I have created all these materials and these methodologies to help B two B marketers be their best. We are here to be your Sherpa. We are here to be your teacher. The materials cost nothing. And the reason that we're offering to take you through it is because there is a talk track and there is a knowledge that we need to give you because otherwise it just looks like a set of really great visuals, right? We'll give you that talk track. So that's what we're offering to you. Now, we're all marketers. We know, we know there's an agenda. Our primary agenda is to help the B2B community be their best. Our secondary agenda, yes, If you look at this methodology and you want to do some of these things in your organization, you might want to use our company to help you get there. Of course, but that's up to you. There's no strings attached, but learn the methodology. Download a free copy of Manufacturing Demand. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. There'll be a link to the D3 methodology. But if you want us to take you through it, please do. We'd love to share the methodology and, and to get your feedback. And your feedback has been essential. So thank you. Um, we'll keep sprinkling in a couple of these D3 methodology podcasts. Uh, we've covered a little bit on the people side of things. We covered about technology and then we talked about data today and we've dived into some of the other areas. So we'll keep doing it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I hope everybody has a wonderful summer. I don't know where you're going. I'm glad you're traveling, Carlos. I hope people continue to, uh, try to at least get out in the sun and, and do those things. Carlos, I want to thank you, man, for all your support and all your collaboration. And it's been great to hear the success stories from the people that you've been teaching the methodology to. So if you guys haven't already, Carlos Hidalgo, H-I-D-A-L-G-O, find him on LinkedIn or me. I think I'm pretty accessible, David Lewis. And we'd love to take you guys through it. That's going to do it. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. All right, you guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care.